Doing these hoes, I don't even care no more. It's weird. <clears throat> Text prison story family salute, y'all. Good evening. Uh, I have a special video here for you. I have actually my favorite YouTube channel content creator here. Come bless my game and sat down with from Text Prison Stories. This man's channel, y'all, is unbelievable. You have to actually start from one day one and watch them in order. And I swear you will never see anything like this in your life. You almost think it's unbelievable and made up. And that's how crazy Texas prisons were back then. But everything he's saying is true. And it's just something that you have to see for yourself. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But uh, we actually have with us today, y'all, Dr. Larry from 42 Straight Years In Channel. How you doing, Dr. Larry? Good morning. Morning, bro, man. Thank you so much, man. Listen. You've uh, how long have you had your channel now, Doctor Larry? I've had it for a little bit over five months. Over five months, y'all. Listen, we're looking at a man right here who is amazing. He's monetized the channel, and he's at forty-five hundred subscribers. A whole oh man, probably quarter million views in five months. That's how exciting his channel is. Uh, you had, you know what? You have some of the most loyal, faithful followers that I've seen. They they really like you. You know what I mean? And not only is he doing this, y'all. But Dr. Larry is the man that helped me start this channel. He's actually the the third video on Texas Prison Stories ever is Dr. Larry. Y'all, so if you're subscribed to this channel, where we're at about 21,000 right now, we need all of y'all to back out, subscribe to 42 straight years in. I'm actually going to put the card right here, being being up top, and then you can click that. And then the other cards will be linked to Dr. Larry's videos, y'all. Make sure you do not leave this channel without subscribing to him. It's very important to us, y'all, because he helped get this one going. So, uh, Dr. Larry, I'm going to start off asking this. Obviously, you did 42 straight years in, right? That's correct. How old were you when you started, sir? I was 22. Oh, wow, 22 years old. What was your crime? Um, murder. Capital murder, they reduced it to murder. Capital murder, what's that? Uh, the, and the punishment was, was death. Oh man, so you had a death penalty case? Yeah. Wow. The DA came back and said he wasn't going to seek the death penalty, so he reduced the capital murder. Did he say why? Was it was that your first ever arrest, first offense, because you were young or what? First arrest, and uh, uh, due to the evidence in the case, it would have been hard for him to prove capital murder because the, even though the guy is was a police officer, he wasn't on duty and he wasn't in a uniform. Oh, uh, he's just a regular, a regular person because he never uh, announced to me that he was a police officer. He never said. Right, right. And in the state of Texas, if you kill a police officer, that's automatically capital murder, death penalty, right? That's correct. Okay, so that was a big factor then. Okay, so that actually was your first arrest in life was murder? That's correct. Wow. Man, that's like a blow away right there, man. That's uh, After you served 42 years in, how many times did ever again did you see a man whose first arrest was a murder? 
it's some guys on death row in Texas. That's their first offense, and they got the death penalty. They never been been to prison, never been incarcerated before, and they got the death penalty. Most Are there guys, really some guys? Most guys on death row are first offenders. Wow, man, I had no idea. Oh my God, that's amazing. So yeah, that's that's wild. So it's twenty two years old, capital murder. First thing they tell you, death penalty case. What do you think? I mean, when you're you're in there, did you get a bond? Were you able to make bond, go home, or did you have to sit in the county? What happened? <laughs> no, there. At first, they set the bond a half million dollars. So we were going to try to make the bond. They went up to a million. Then they came back. And, no, this is a case. No bond. No bond. Damn. Yeah. When they dropped it back down from the Capitol, did you ever? I mean, listen, man. We know how it was back then. Most people will never be able to afford a murder bond, but they give you one. Were you ever to make it, or did, was that your last day of freedom? Is what I'm asking. That's my last day of freedom. That was your last day of freedom. That very last moment, then, huh? Uh, when you were listen, when you were getting arrested, that moment. I mean, did they arrest you right there on the spot? What happened? Like, did you run? Did you were gone? No, I was arrested uh, 31 days. 31 days later. Damn. So they had to figure out. They were investigating and stuff. Yeah. When uh, when you got arrested, did you realize then that that was going to be your last day of freedom for so long? Or did you think you're going to beat this? I thought I would beat the case. Well, you normally don't think you're going to beat the case if you ain't never been through the judicial system. You don't know how it works. But in 1975, it was a wrap. You was out of there. Especially being a black man and everything, too. Was it a white officer? He's a white officer. I would have had the same case with the, the president I probably would have been acquitted. Damn, I'd have man. Left, uh, left the charge. I would have been murder yeah i agree i agree i agree uh well, i don't want to go into a lot of uh like incidents that happen and stuff like that but we know nine times out of ten if you get arrested for dealing with killing a cop they you're gonna have a rough time in the county jail sometimes you know how was your stay in the county were they making it rough on you because you killed an officer or were they kind of leaving you alone or how was that now dallas county dallas county uh, Jails are not violent. It's the inmates that were violent during that time. You didn't have to worry. You're not going to get beat up in Dallas County. You got to worry about the inmates, not the cops. When you went in as a 22-year-old man, I wanted to ask you this when I first met you, but I I didn't know really how to ask you. And, and honestly, Dr. Larry, and I'm sorry I call you Mr. Larry, when I first met you, you know, uh, your story was so intense it was overwhelming me myself man you know what i mean like i can imagine what it would do to some of these viewers because me personally i'm like wow the shit you're telling me is flooring me you know what i mean so it's crazy i want to ask you some questions though like listen when you hit that county jail when you were 22 what were those politics like back then uh, i remember you told me blacks and whites would smoke cigarettes and stuff like that were in that county was there like a tank boss running it back then or was everybody kicking it what was happening in the 70s county jail? We had a tank sportsman. He's a spokesman. Now, what he would do if you have a problem, you need to go to medical or something. The reason why Dallas County was ran like, like it was is to keep down the snitching. So only one person can go talk to the guard. You couldn't go to the guard. If you had a problem, you tell that guy, and he talked to the guard for you. 
You don't nice. So basically, yeah, nobody's speaking to the officers but him, and probably somebody's listening to him while he's talking to the officer, right? That's convict. That's a little bit how the federal system was, where in the feds, two, one man can't go talk to an officer. He has to take his friend with him. You know what I mean? So that was cool. That's how they were doing it then. Were your cells uh, integrated, or were y'all still all black? It was integrated. Okay, so that's what I was wondering. Uh, when you first went to prison, you caught chain and left from Dallas County Jail, right? That's correct. I had got a change of venue from Dallas County, Smith County. After the trial in Smith County, automatically going to transfer me back to Dallas County. I was never final sentence. They, they was in such a hurry to get me in prison, I never was final sentence. They brought oh, me man. Case was all screwed up. They brought me back and then final sentencing. But I was sent to prison without being final sentenced. They convicted me in Smith County, transferred me back to Dallas County. Three days later, I was on the blue uh, diagnostic unit. Yeah. And well, I, listen, when you when you said that interview, you said that, and somebody questioned, now, like, how is that even possible? But listen, that actually did happen to my brother that was serving his fifty. He got non-final sentence and tried to use that as an appeal and it didn't work it didn't help they said well you were still found guilty it didn't didn't affect your sentence or hearing and they would they re-sentenced them like they did you i believe the same thing they just send you back and make it official yeah so i know that's true because it actually happened to my own blood brother and this is the you know how i've been rocking my channel this is one of the most important questions i want to ask you dr Lay, because there's so many people that look up to you, man, and they look up to you for multiple reasons, and I do too. One is because you're so smart. You're intelligent as hell. You're a PhD. Okay. Two, you rock 42 years, no gang, independent, doing things by yourself, man. Not easy. But I, I need you to tell me how did it feel leaving out that county jail, man, because I don't care how hard you are, tough you are, who you killed, what you're going to do. Was it scary, man? Like, I mean, are you going like, what the fuck, man? Because I know I was, Larry. When I left in Cartain, I think everybody is. Can you tell us, were you, are you so tough and hard that you weren't even scared, or were you nervous, man? See, back in the day, CDC came and kicked you up with their own chain buses. A lot of people don't know that. They have chain buses go all over the state of Texas picking guys up. Now, West Texas, they would transfer you closer inside to another county jail, and they prison bus would pick you up. You'd actually ride with real prison guards, not from your county. So I, oh, I would wow. be so pissed to change, so it wasn't no big deal. Then me, I would question guys at night after we get through fighting and boxing and gambling and all that, we sit around and talk. And I would ask you, guys been to prison. They've been to prison. Which during that time they only had 14 prisons in Texas. And I was talking at that million questions about prison is like they actually prepare you for prison if you listen there. So they didn't dealt with these wards, they didn't dealt with Bill and Tunnel, or which were inmate guards during that time. They didn't dealt with all this. So I would actually sit and listen at these guys, and they basically would tell you how to handle yourself in a prison. In Dallas County Jail, if you didn't know how to fight, these guys teach you how to fight. You be in top physical shape when you make the prison. Guess all we do is work out all day and all night. We work out. They didn't have no TV. Well, hold on. Let me ask you something. 
That's why them boys out of Dallas was so damn bad always. Y'all was in there boxing, training, turning TVs off, getting ready for TDC, for real? You had to, you had to, when you first got in Dallas County Jail, you had to fight. You, they bring you up by 11, 30, or 12 o'clock at night, all over, cracked up. And somebody going to holler out, who the hell is that coming in? You tell them who you is. Somebody probably going to say, yeah, bitch, I'm going to look at you in the morning. They don't even know you. Or you. They try to put you in a tank according to what area of Dallas you was from. You uh, South, put you with all South Dallas guys. They went by areas of Dallas. There was no game. Back then. And DP uh, uh, get through cleaning up. Uh, the, fight, the fight is on. They try to match you up with a guy about your size. You was so they was hard checking in the damn county jail back then. Real talk, wow. Well, if you didn't fight, uh, you was gonna be a Maytag. You wasn't gonna eat, and you gonna have your hook. <laughs> Tell them what a Maytag is, Doctor Larry. Maytag is the one who watch these guys underwear and socks. You watch their boxes and socks. You gonna be the watch machine, won't you, man? You take all your money if you got any money. So you you go. You're going to be in a tank. I was lucky when I go in, because I go to South Dallas. So I got put in South Dallas tank, even though I lived in Oak Cliff. But I hung out in South Dallas. I played basketball. So a lot of guys knew me when I came in. I was fortunate enough to get in the tank with guys who I knew from South Dallas. Oh, so you did that were actually guys that you personally knew in there? Yes. So I still had to fight regardless. They asked me, you got to fight, you got to box. They match you up. About your size, if you lose, it ain't no big deal. It's how you you couldn't go screaming for mama, hollering for God, and I give up and all that. But you can't whoop everybody, but you must fight back. Absolutely, and that's what it that's currently 2020 how it is nowadays. That's the rules, man. You don't gotta win, you gotta fight back. That's it. Don't, don't, don't wake up. Uh, so check this out when you got in there 22 and you seen these guys that you knew. Guaranteeing a bunch of them were going home and you weren't. You know now, what I mean? The tank I was in was no going home. Everybody in that case had robbery and murder. I had an accident. They wasn't going nowhere. Guys and everything. Uh, and all that going nowhere. So you weren't, you weren't probably the worst tank they had in there then. Correct. When you go in Dallas County for violence, they put you with violent inmates. Right, right. That's how Galveston was too. Oh, uh, and let me say something. I can say that I personally, Mr. Lair, Dr. Lair, I'm sorry, man. Please forgive me. I'm, you know I don't mean that with no disrespect because I love you, man. I'm just used to saying Mr. Larry because you're an older fellow and I, I love you. Anyway, I'm sorry. Dr. Larry, when I first was young, I went into a non-aggravated tank in the county. It was kind of cool. Next trip, went into an aggravated tank and everybody was going 25s and shit and we fought nonstop, man. In the same building. So on the other side of a wall, it can be so different worlds. You know what I mean? That's what people don't understand. Like, man, you can be in this little maximum security world or minimum security world. So you basically, from the day you started, you were maximum fucking security in there with the guys not going home, huh? Yes. I go home out of that thing. Damn. Uh, okay. I want to ask you something, too, about that then. Adjusting to it. How long did you stay in the county with that? I, I was, they took me for there eight months, and I was in court. Oh, shit. Eight months, and you was in court. Yeah. 
and already gone. And how long uh, till it was Rap City? You know, arrests and in prison. Eight months. Damn, eight months. So wow, you didn't even have time to comp- contemplate your life barely. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so listen, first chain bus. They pull Dr. Larry out of the county. Do you leave by yourself or does some friends come with you? Who already got final sentence. Well, I mean, that day when you left, did somebody from South Dallas you knew come on that bus? Like, come on, Larry, we're going together. Yes. They did. Me too. My partner, little Vic, came with me, and that made it feel a little bit different. Where did y'all go? First place diagnostics back then? It's bird unit now. It was called diagnostics back then. And what would they do to you back then? Like, what was diagnostics like back then, Larry? Because it's different now, I guess. I don't know. What did they do to y'all? Well, it'd be a major, meet you at the club. They count everybody off, make sure they got everybody's name and all their paperwork, and they take you inside, and that's the first time you get to see inmate doors because they're waiting on you when you walk through that door. The turnkey unlocked that door. They waiting on you. A turn. What is a turnkey? Tell them what a turnkey is. Turnkey is one of the inmate guards who controls the ride gate and all the doors to the cell blocks and the dormitory. Literally, see, that's what I, I forgot to say. That's what Larry's channel is about, and why y'all need to go see this because Texas actually had inmate guards, and that's what we're going to get into a little bit back then. Uh, when you got there and they're waiting on you. Is it like a welcome to prison type of shit? You know what I'm saying? Where they're scaring the fuck out of you or are they friendly? What's going on? No, they're nothing to you. These guys wasn't no friendly, sociable dudes, so they don't say anything. But you, likewise, the major give you a little speech. No talking, get out of all your clothes, and uh, you do the spin around in the strip search and open your ass and bottom your feet and open your mouth and all that stuff. And from there, uh, they take you to a desk and you just tell them what you want to do with your property from the county jail. Do you want to donate to the Salvation Army or mail it home? From there, you go to the bar. Here, buck naked. He cuts all your off. From there, you go to the shower. You take a shower. After you come out of the shower, they spray you from head to toe with this stinking chemical stuff for, for lice and bed bugs and all that crap coming from the county jail. From that procedure, next you go in the hallway, then they take you to the commissary. And matter of fact, while you're waiting at the commissary line, they tell everybody to line up in the hallway, they would bring you your new prison number on a little strip of paper. That's your prison number. They tell you to use that paper, and you better not forget that number. Because the rest of the time in prison, you're going to have to use that number. You got, you're the only person in Texas prison system got that ID number. So uh, after that, I tell you what area to go to, which diagnostics back then was small. They don't have four cell blocks. For oh, in- wow. On the other side, guys who was assigned to diagnostics, they were the laundry kitchen workers and inmate guards. They were in the hey, I mean, on them, uh, it was only four cell blocks back then? Are you serious? The whole prison? Yeah, that- Block. They added on to the diagnostic unit. It's, it's huge now, but back then they only had four cell blocks. When is the last time that you actually seen it yourself and went through there? Recently, like in the later years, after it got bigger, did you see it? Oh, I, I've seen it since I've been out because I drove to Huntsville to the prison uh, 
museum. It's huge, man. They had a giant, big old cubicle dorms in there and stuff. I can't believe it was that small. So that's wild. So 14 prisons. Diagnostics was only four cell blocks. Holy shit. How many inmates were even in the system back then? Do you know? It was a little less than 20,000. 20,000. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's crazy. And out of them 20,000, how many of them you think were lifers like you when you got there? Do you know? What? Texas give out a lot of life sentences. A lot of life sentences. So it's quite a few guys got life sentences. I mean, a whole tons of guys. When you find your prison unit, he seemed like everybody there had life sentences. A lot of life Guys got 10,000 years, 5,000 years, 900 years. Guys, there had a lot of time. No choice. Absolutely. So when you show up with your life sentence, it ain't even nothing special over there, huh, man? You're just another guy doing it. I just work at, at Texas Roof. Damn, yeah. So I did a, I did a video about uh, the roster from Beat 01, man, and the first – pages after pages of pages are the inmates are life without parole life with parole you know what i mean and that's part of what i do too mr larry is let these people know you'll be sitting in here with these men on a small number if you act stupid with these guys that never going home and that's not what you want you know what i mean so i'm sorry i'm getting a little off track listen you got there at 22 what uh what was your first Slap in the fucking face, man, where you knew, oh, man, this sucks and I'm in prison. What was the real time where you just said, fuck, man, this sucks? Well, at the diagnostic unit, they they separate you according to how many times you've been in prison. The cell block I lived on is all first offenders. They put all first offenders together. These guys, some of them, they came from a county like Dallas where these guys really lace you up. They'll have you prison ready when you get there. You'll be ready. Uh, some of them guys come from counties where it's not hardcore like Dallas. Uh, my first taste of reality is the morning, about three o'clock in the morning, when they line us up, get ready to catch our buses. And uh, got on the bus, these guys coming from bench warrant, coming from medical, and uh, on the bus, and they didn't even. Uh, with the shackles and all that, they didn't even do all that. You carried all your personal property on the bus with And uh, talking to some, I asked an old white guy on the bus, he was going to back to East Ham. I could look at his prison clothes. He got his number, and uh, and his clothes look dingy looking. I got on brand new clothes because first come to Texas prison, they give you brand new clothes. Guys been in prison don't have brand new clothes. And I said, man, how is East Ham? And he said, uh, Worst thing you can do with East Ham is run your mouth. That's the worst thing you can do. He said, uh, you first offender? I said, yeah. He said, well, they're not going to beat you up. He said, they beat up guys who come getting transferred from disciplinary from other prisons. He said, you're not going to get beat up. He said, uh, you know what a building ton of turnkey is? I said, no, I got a general. Here. He said, well, don't mess at them, don't roll your eyes at them, don't do none of that. Just look them off, and you'll be all right. And when we pulled the bus pulled in the East Ham, I looked out the window, I saw four big guys standing there with no shirts on. These guys, too. Uh, later on, I would get to know who all these guys were. 
Uh, were they black guys, white guys? Who were they? Mixed or what? Two whites and two blacks. Two whites and two blacks. All four of them big as hell? All these guys look like Hercules. They ain't got no shirt on. Wow. Look, see, some big guys. And it was an old major standing out there named Burst. And we called And he walked up. He already read your record. He already know who he is. He just see how you going, you know, what type of attitude you got. Right. He didn't say nothing to me. He just walked by me and looked. Looked at my, looked at uh, the name on my clothes. Looked at me. Went to the next guy. Now, there was a young guy getting transferred there from Ferguson Unit for disciplinary. He got over there to him. He said, uh, what you get transferred to ESAM for? He already know. Guy said, uh, they said I hit a sergeant on Ferguson. He said, uh, oh, wow. He never, you don't hit sergeants on ESAM. He just stood that to him and hit these four uh, building tenders come. They beat him down, beat him all up under the bus, stunk him. He got his introduction to these damn units. Wow, right away, huh? Listen, when you're watching them stomp him out, are you just going, I'm just glad it's not me, man? That's all you can you say. Know, you know, the guy, that old guy told me, so you can see a lot of things happen. You don't look. You keep your eyes in front of you. You don't look. They had a rule, Sam, if you look, you in. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We say it now, 2020. If you grin, you're in, right? That's the new way they say it. <laughs> what say that again, man. What does that mean, rule, though? You said it casually. Tell these people that's never been in print, if you look, you're in. What the fuck's that mean, man, for real? It means back then you had to mind your own business. In other words, they were saying if you look, that means you must want to be a part of it. You don't like what we're doing. That's your homeboy where you involved, too. And they just right. really get if, if you watching them beat that man to death closely, you're next, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And you know, that's something that I've had to deal with, Mr. Larry, Dr. Larry, when, you, when you're watching some shit erupt quickly and you don't even know what was happening, it's hard not to look and see what the hell's going on. But at the same time, you do know that's not your business and you kind of got to stay away. So that's something you got to learn, too. Listen, when you got to East Ham, what was the first fucking person you seen zipped up in a body bag over there? How long did it take? Uh, or was, was it till the 80s when they started getting zipped up? That's what I wanted to add. Were they like when the building centers were still there, was inmates getting killed and zipped up, or was it or were they just getting beat up by the building centers? That's what we don't know. But basically they were getting up beat up by the building centers. Now occasionally it'd be two regular guys getting a stabbing with each other. Because Esam was a real violent prison, and it stabbings all the time among the inmates. But uh, Billington did the majority of killing. Okay, and I wanted to ask you this bad, 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 and I didn't get into it. You told me at East Ham, was it East Ham or Rams or somewhere they had a boxing ring, right? Was it in East Ham they had a boxing ring? Yeah, the boxing at all of them. All of them? All of them? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so literally you could call some man out. Or you go tell the Benetton, man, I need to fight Tim Snow, man. I want to put them gloves on with them. And they'll come tell me and make me go fight you. How did that shit work? What would happen? If you wanted to fight somebody that you and me, you sitting in the day room and we start having words, all we got to do is go up to the Benetton and say, hey, we want to solve. They'll say fist or gloves. Fist or gloves. Really? Day room door, 
and take you down at the end of the sale block and then you work that out. Really? So and then then bring you right back and sit you back down in front of the TV and let you chill? Yep. You want a rematch? Go get you a rematch. Oh man. For real. So they run that back. <laughs> Listen, well, what are times when they just straight up said, no, nah, y'all can't fight right now. Sit down. Sit like that, or they let you go do it, huh? They gonna let you do it. I know they are. Men are always gonna let yourself destroke if you want to. That's just how it go. They're gonna wanna see the show too. Oh. Uh, the baddest building tender on East Ham. Who was he? It was quite a few bad ones over there. They always list uh, Butch Ainsworth as the baddest. Butch Ainsworth. Now, they had uh, Ray Bowler. They had Michael Hall. They had Felix Foster. They had uh, um, his name on Jay Sonny Evans. Okay, hold on. I want to ask you something because, listen, if y'all are watching this video and y'all don't catch what me and Dr. Larry are talking about, you better go subscribe to his channel because this shit's been going on for a while. And me and this guy, we got something happening here. Jerry Ray Bolden, Dr. Larry, you showed me a picture and told me about this fucking guy. He was an actual building center. Did he run a block? What, what was he What was he doing over there? Yeah, he ran a block. He ran K-Line. Well, Is that first, white, white line? Yeah. It's a white. When I first got there, Butch Ainworth was the head building center on K-Line. But he got in a conflict with the major, and the major broke his jaw, and, he, and Jerry Ray Bowling was the head building center. The major broke Butch's jaw? I never heard that story. Are you serious? Burleson did? And the old ass the major was 76 years old. He broke his jaw. Wow, see, that's fucking unbelievable. That's, you're telling us a story nobody in Galveston. Listen, Butch Ainsworth, y'all, is one of the most famous convicts from Galveston. There's not even nowhere, nobody close. Butch Ainsworth was a man that escaped out of Galveston County Jail, shot a sheriff, uh, robbed everything, would do anything. Him and his escape partner both ended up on East Ham as building tenders, like Dr. Larry's talking about. And they were terrors. Like some of the stories, and that goes back to this, how legit you are, Dr. Larry, because you remember when I brought you down, you came and met me. Do you remember meeting my daddy the first time that you met my father? Yes. He's working on the lawnmower. What did I tell him? First thing I walked up and said, Dad, guess who Dr. Larry knows? Well, who did we say, man? Seriously. Which Ainsworth? I said Butch fucking Ainsworth, man. And my daddy had the worst look on his face ever. Like, this is one of Butch Ainsworth's friends? And I'm like, nah, daddy, this ain't his friend. That's not what we're saying here. He knew the man, you know, because my dad knew Butch and how that was. And uh, Butch was a literally literal terror out here, small man. And you told me, what Butch Ainsworth from Gal, what did he pack around in there, Dr. Larry? I don't know. 14-inch jank. Well, had a big-ass fucking bone crusher at all times, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Butch is notorious for being a building tender that like to rape people. Real, He was the Texas booty bandit from Galveston. He liked to do it violently. He liked to, he liked to make them fight back, liked to hear them scream, stuff like that. When you got there, Dr. Larry, were there, like, I mean, this is my question. You know, you said before, 
if a man was to discuss killing a building tender or doing something like that, he better discuss it with his best friend, somebody that he can trust, you know, and because they'll come back and kill you. When you got there, did you ever hear any mumblings or rumblings from people like, man, we're about to kill these motherfuckers? Or was it always, they're too powerful, man? It was dudes who, it was some violent guys that he's saying, so it would be discussed. It would be discussed for real? Yeah. Man, I wish it would have happened. Like, honest to God, if, if, if the entire prison would have just rose up and done it, what would have happened? How could they have done it? What would have happened? Well, see, they got the building has got other inmates who work for them and those guys got guys who they build and turn the pump they hold on they so i didn't hold on i didn't know that now you didn't tell us that you explained that to us then what do you mean so there's there's fucking building tenders running the block then they have their fucking people working for them on the block around y'all yeah so rats and snitches and eyes and ears around y'all yeah, it might hell with you. One of those guys might be your fail partner, so you got to watch what the hell you say. You got to use talking to a lot of guys over there got hurt just by running their damn mouth. Man, somebody get jumped every day for doing that, every fucking day. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, the first time you ever heard of a building center getting attacked or anything, what was it? Was it a fucking hit them with a can? So stabbed him, and what happened to that man? The first building tunnel I seen attacked, he was it was an Indian guy named uh, Raymond Teshart. He was from Oklahoma. They had jumped him. They trying to make him out of a pump. He got hold to him a big fucking sword, and he stabbed one of them in the hallway and killed him. Oh shit! He stabbed the tenor. What they did? They kill him? What they do to him? No, they did. Now the, the old wardens were like this. At that time, we had a warden, the warden at East Ham, uh, Warden Savage. And he kind of respect a person who stand up. The old warden was different than present day warden. If you stood up for yourself, he damn near wouldn't let nothing happen to you, especially when he walk up on the scene. Ain't nothing going to happen to you. Really? That's, that's cool. So the warden can always say, I didn't see that. So you can never say the warden supervise you getting assaulted because he ain't gonna never be present. He always right. show up after the fact. He's smart enough to know what's going on. And let me tell you something that, that I've noticed by watching your channel. I've never heard you one time disrespect or talk bad about those old wardens. Never. Not even once. Was there some bad ones? I mean, you, we know how they ran shit. But did you ever just see a raw dog nasty ass warden that was evil? During that time, in order to be a warden, they got most of them through the good old guard system. They all have a whole lot of relatives working in the prison system. All of them kidding each other. Uh, it had to be vicious. It was about production, getting old crops in. Texas prison was self-supporting. So he got to be where he can manage all the inmates, make sure that all of them go to work and they produce. All the whole disciplinary book in Texas was rolled up on work cases. It didn't. It was a little thin book had about four pages in it. That was the rule yeah. book. All concerned work. Really, everything worked. Oh, that's fucking crazy. Slave <laughs> shit. 
That sucks, man. It really does because they don't understand that. See, that was one thing. These fucking guys in California. Salute to California. We go in on them all the time. But I don't think there's ever been a fucking time where they had to go work in no fields, do no slave shit, none of this shit that we've had to do down here, man. It's 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 crazy. So listen, your first prison job, where'd you work at? In the fields? First job, when you came to Texas prison back then, <laughs> a buddy that was a, a inmate guard or a building terminal who go talk to the warden and say, hey, this is a good old boy. I believe he'll work good with us. You was going to the field. They needed field workers. They didn't need right. laundry workers. That shit, they wanted field hands. All them well, fucking crops. East Ham has 14,000 acres. They got to have inmates work all them fields. That's a big proof. I have another question about something. That, like, I'm going to ask you the questions about shit that we just don't have no other way to ask. When y'all, when you first got there, what the what was the food like, Mr. Lair? Was it all pork like it is now? Or was y'all actually getting beef, chicken, and stuff like that? Well, it was only two prisons back then that didn't feed good food. Now, East Ham, those two prisons did not feed good. Now, later, I was at East Ham only four months, and I got transferred to the Ramsey Unit. Now, they fed like a restaurant at Ramsey Unit. Wow. They put restaurants out of business. They could go guys and cook. What's the difference between that? It's the warden, right, and how he wants his food to be. Everybody thinks yeah, uh, it's uh, the legislature or it's the warden. All the warden got to do is the kitchen captain say, hey, prepare this food. And, and it's gonna get deep. No if and I have a good story about that. I'm gonna tell later, but I'm gonna do it right now. Yeah, so literally your first four months, you're over there in East Ham working hard and starving, and they switch you to Ramsey and it's like a motherfucking restaurant. How nice was that? It had to be a little bit better. Yeah, but it was a trade-off. Ramsey worked way harder East Ham. Way harder. Oh, so that's why they fed you better. You sure know what slave plantation. East Ham, the guards didn't use racial terms. That was a racial unit ran by white inmates. But the guards, who were all white, they didn't use racial terms when we go out in the field. You East Ham Ram- didn't? No. They didn't use racial terms. And Ramsey talked to you like the KKK, right? And Ramsey, everything they say to you is nigger in front of your name. Nigger Johnson, nigger Sanchez, nigger Martinez. <laughs> What was the fucking difference, man? I mean, was listen, oh, uh, was it the different part of Texas? Just the war? I mean, what the fuck? Why would it be different like that? One place is like that. One's that don't even sound. That don't make sense. Some of the main doing slavery so, <laughs> was around Oh, yeah, they're still they're still with the old mentality like Angola. That's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't it doesn't make no sense. And you know, listen, there are still places in East Texas and shit like that where them guards will say that type of stuff, man. You know what I mean? Like they they might not say it like they did in the old days, but they they're still thinking it and everything else. You know, that's it's not fair. Here's another important question I wanted to ask you, and it's a serious because we're doing this. Because, listen, Dr. Larry, you said when you were in Dallas County, you got to lace, getting laced up by the OGs, by the big homies and stuff like that. Well, honest to God, you've turned out to be 
the world's big homie, and I've turned out to be one of them and stuff like that. So we're giving them the game. So I want to ask you this. After you left, when you had to catch chain from East Ham, you've been there four months on a life sentence, only four. When you showed up to Ramsey, how did they approach you at Ramsey? Did they say, where are you from? Here's a Dallas guy or who are you? Was it suspicious? How was it like your second, your first transfer to another prison? How did it go? And was it scary? When I hit the, I mean, he was back in violation and he knew me from outside and the county jail. And I didn't get beat up. That was unusual. It was the same process as Ramsey. They had a guy's waiting on me, but I didn't get jumped. So you weren't on a disciplinary transfer, so they didn't do it to you? No, because I had filed a lawsuit at East Ham. Back then, they were only afraid of two types of people, ones who litigate and a guy who they thought was insane. Because at East Ham, they didn't put me in solitary so much time, and the shit didn't work on me. They had me just crazy and an inmate who will file a lawsuit, so I didn't get jumped. He just talked shit to me. I went and saw the warden in, in the field, mate. He just talked. Yeah, I didn't get jumped. So, Dr. Larry, you had to do that old solitary in Texas, that old school shit, that real solitary? It was a, a teaspoon of beans, a teaspoon of carrot, uh, maybe a teaspoon of beef, twice a day, 15 days. You go in there with 225. Hold on, 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 hold on. What? How much food? A teaspoon, like like a spoon, like teaspoon. You getting three teaspoons a day? Oh my god! How much weight do you lose in fifteen days in that? You gonna lose if you're not used to it. If you ain't never been before, you gonna you gonna drop by thirty pounds easy. Oh, my God. And then, listen, your first day out of there dropping 30 pounds, do you have to go back to the field and work your ass off? You go to work the next day. Oh, my God. Tell me how did that feel, Dr. Lee, your first time losing this fucking weight. You're not a, listen, you're not a fat man, and I don't think you ever were. You lost weight still being a slim man, huh? Yeah. Well, once I went in solitary, Dad gave me a, yeah, I didn't speak on this. My second week at Ramsey, I hit the field captain with an ag out there in the field and knocked him off the horse. My what? Second, oh, know. my God. No, I didn't even know that. So your second week, you hit the motherfucking boss. Why? What did he do to you? Well, I had got in a fight. Uh, and I thought the guy going to pull a weapon on me, so I pulled my Captain Dad rolled up, named Captain Turner. He rolled up and said, hey, nigga, drop that agate. The other guy ain't dropped heel, so I didn't drop. Man. I thought he had shot me. We was working his we, we pulled out of thorns and shit, one of them thorns that hit me in the leg. I thought I was shot. So I said, the hell with this shit. I ain't going to just stand here and let this son of a bitch kill me and I don't fight back. I'd run on up to that horse and knock his ass off that horse. Oh, wow. What the fuck happened? Like, right then, everybody come charging you with these fucking line bosses? What happened? Uh, they all started shooting. Bullet holes went through my damn shirt. Not one of them hit me. 
shot through my damn shirt. And now Are you water, serious? Yeah, the water boys who work out the field, who bring the guards they water and bring us our water, one of them got an act panel off the water wagon and he ran over. So I got an egg and he got an act panel. Me and him start fighting. Oh my God. <laughs> hey, I'm 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 here. Listen, an Aggie is long and takes a while to swing. He got an axe handle. He can move fast. Did he get you with that axe handle? Did you feel it? No, I was young and quick. He couldn't get, I turned he couldn't get close enough. He couldn't get. Ah, man, I bet that was some shit out there, man. God, he realized he fucked up running up that axe handle, huh, man? Uh, later on, about two years later, I got his ass back. Did you same guy? I got him back. This time I, I got him with a, I got him with an axe handle and he had an agony. But he was working. He had lost his job and they put him in one hole with us. He was working. And I asked old Lord for an axe handle. You asked for old Lord for an axe handle? Just called and asked him for he knew what was happening, right? He don't give a shit. He know you ain't gonna hit him with it. He got a 12 gauge and a party right. time. He ain't heard about it. So he got to see what you Water boy brought him the axe handle. He threw it over there on the ground to me. While this guy named was Willie Bell, while he was sidelining, chopping cotton, I come up behind him at the axe handle and I wore his ass out. Ah, say, man, that's awesome. Listen, that's how it's going to go, too, and you better pay attention in prison. You fucked some man over two years ago. He got his chance today. He's coming to get you. You know what I mean? He just did that. That's. <laughs> Well, Willie Bell, fuck Willie Bell. He got that then. Oh, check this out. When you first got down there, how many men did you see brave enough just to lay it down in the field and say, fuck this field in the 70s? Well, they do that back then? They would do it at East Ham, but they wouldn't do it at Ramsey. They'd kill you at Ramsey. No shit. You quit, quit working out in the field. You a dead man. Oh, man. God damn. To feel boss, we have old Lord. You, I feel sorry for you. You tell old Lord you're not gonna work, he goes, gonna shoot you on the spot. But well, listen, something know. that something about your channel that has actually become so fucking special is oh Lord, this motherfucking man is amazing. And we'll talk about him just a little, Dr. Ray, but I don't want you to give too much oh Lord on my channel at all because that's you, man, and that's fucking something. Who was oh Lord? Tell him who this man was. Well, he was a city boss. He'd been working for the Texas prison system since the 1920s. He had worked there 52 years. It was hard to get over on this old man. He knew all the tricks. But the man was fair. Like one Christmas, he took our whole work squad to commissary and bought us $30 each for Christmas. Really? He, He wouldn't bother you if you worked. You work, you have no problem out of this man. When you pull that bullshit, you finna get get fucked up by him. He ain't gonna cut you no You told us on your channel, when old Lord showed up, he gave y'all a speech. Tell me what the fuck he told y'all and then we'll move on. And I need every motherfucking y'all to go subscribe and listen to this old Lord shit. What did old Lord tell y'all when he showed up? Well, guys guys had warned me earlier they, they knew him from another prison they said hey man we got a, we fucked up field boss now 
Don't give him no problem. This old man will kill you. Don't give him no problem. They know I was young. I'm the youngest man in the whole squad. It's me. And uh, were you the youngest man even on East Ham? I was. I was the youngest. Damn. I still was young, but he still had four young guys. But in in one hole, I was the youngest guy in one hole. All these guys was old guys, been locked up a long time. You guys been locked up. Well, that's another one I wanted to ask you, Dr. Larry. When you got there, who was the most time? Like, who was the big convict other than, you know, the building tenders? But, like, who did you respect and look up to? Who was who was Dr. Larry's big homie? Did you have one? I know you did. I had an old man. Uh, we called Mr. Mr. Forbes. He ended up serving two years. He on a murder case, or what was he on back then? He had a murder case, but he was actually innocent of the crime. He got declared actually innocent. He served fifty-two years. Wow! Did he get did he get freed and cleared at the end, or no? Yeah, he got freed and cleared, but he only last for a minute. They gave him a couple million dollars, but he died. Damn man, that sucks, man. Rest in peace, Mister Forbes. So when you got there, was he like uh? Since he had so much time, was he kind of like, get away from me, youngster man? Or was he like, come here, youngster, I'm about to teach you? Now, one day, I came in from work, and I had a fight out in the field, and he had sent me to the major's office. So I was standing in the hallway waiting to go see the major, and my nose bleed real easy. I had won the fight, but my nose bleed real easy. And I had an ice pack. It was Shirt. Even after I come out the shower, it still was blood on my shirt. And uh, when I made it to the, the Ramsey didn't have day room. Ramsey's real old prison. There's no day room at Ramsey. Right in front of the cell block, the run, that's the day room. That's where the TV, the weight, the boxing glove, punching bag, and all oh, that. They had tables out, would they have tables out there on the run and stuff, too? Yeah, they had tables. So, literally, the run was the day room. Yeah, wasn't no day wow. room at Ramsey. I'll be damned. Yeah. I'm just sitting there in the day room, and um, he came sit by me. He said, uh, damn, young, you fight all the time. Every time I see you, you fight, man. He said, uh, you want me to teach you how not to never lose a fight? I'm listening at this old man. I said, what the fuck this old man talking about? And uh, he asked me, say, you got some leather gloves? I said, yeah. He said, go to your cell and get them. And doing that, they didn't have a craft shop. Remember, you have all your craft goods. In your cell, you had sharp ass leather knives, hammer, sewing machine, got all that shit in your cell. So you had an instant weapon if you want to stab somebody. He went and got, gave, I went and got in these leather riding gloves and he cut off, took the thread out, and put a powder out of it. He asked me to put my fist on a piece of paper and he measured it. He went Put inside those gloves. He was that cold there. He measured your hand out and everything. And later on that night, I was sitting there watching the news, and he came. Uh, he gave me those gloves. He said, "Check them out when you get in your cell." And I got in the cell and looked, and he was right. I ain't never. Well, I didn't even think about losing with that iron. All I got to do is put that iron on your ass, and it's it's a wrap. 
Oh my God! So listen, you ten say so you had some homemade brass knuckles in the penitentiary. Is what you had, huh? Yeah, this old here know every trick it is. He taught me all the gambling tricks, how to cheat, how to win a football parlay, how to win on a football board. He know all the tricks to prove. This man got good psychology. He can look at a guy. When he tells you about this guy, the old man be right every time. Your body language, everything, tell him everything he need to know about. And he Absolutely. wasn't no social. He wasn't no social. He's going to sit there and watch a movie or something. He's going to have his wine. Because at Ram- Ramsey, you could drink wine. The warden didn't give a shit. Wildcat, he didn't care. As long as you go to work, you could drink wine right in front of the ward. And he didn't sell it in the cow hall. The warden is standing right there. You go there and buy you a pitcher of co- ice cold homebrew. And wow, right really? You don't say nothing. I'll be damned, man. You got to let a man relax a little bit and do his time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so listen, you went from East Ham to Ramsey. Where was your next prison that you went to? Back to Remember? East Ham. Back to East Ham. What the fuck was that mentally like? Where you're like, hold up, man. I'm going back over here. Was it a mental fuck or was he ready or what happened? How'd it feel? Well, I'm, I'm prison hard then so I could deal with them. I didn't went through Ramsey. Which building tunnels at Ramsey, the inmate doors there were totally different from East Ham. At East Ham, the inmate doors used weapons. At Ramsey, they just used their fists. They got weapons, but they never used them. I ain't never seen an inmate get hit in the head with an iron pipe at Ramsey. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, let me ask you something else. How long do you think personally? Okay, now if I ask a man that did 10 this, his answer is going to be different. Ask a man 20. Ask a man 42. How long do you think it usually takes a man to you consider him a full blast fucking convict where he knows what he knows all those tricks and shit? Some might people might never reach that or or what? I don't know. It all depends on how you do your time. I started my time out as being a fuck up. Some guys start their time out as being a Molly inmate. So it's totally different. It depends on how you do your time. Uh, I know uh, when East Ham, they had no problem. Which I ain't never got jumped by inmate guards at East Jump. I never got jumped. At right. I've been right. jumped. Uh, me too. I most times I every time something happened, they usually jumped <laughs> jumped on me. Man, they give me no fair chance, but that's how shit goes too. Not a fair world we're dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Uh I wanna ask you something else too. Because you have a friend, we, uh, you can say his name or not, it don't matter. He stabbed the building tender. You knocked the fucking high rider off the horse. Uh, there were people fighting back back then, man. It's it's. Why don't we hear more stories about the guys that fight back, Dr. Larry? Because we don't. There's very few of them. Is it because they didn't make it out? Very few of y'all made it out? Or why don't we hear that? Yeah. Those guys who fought back, they were just falling in between. You, you, you really have to have some nuts to go up against one of those building tunnels. You might have you to be half ass crazy, too, right? I put it like this. When you get mad enough, all caution go out the window. You get mad enough, you say, to hell with the consequences. You're just going to have to do what you're going to do to me. And that's the way Charlie is. Charlie don't give a damn. He like that right now, and he's free. He still yeah. don't give a <laughs> As a matter of fact, I can go to my patio. Look at downtown high rise that he live in. I can can you really? Yeah, he live on Man. the corner. I can see it from the patio. 
Shout out Big Charlie, man. He stabbed one. Okay, something else that I didn't know that will shock the fucking world with right here. Here's a, a revolution. When Dr. Larry came down and talked to me, y'all, this is the fucking serious shit Tim Snow is about to say. But I was asking Dr. Larry about the Mandingo Warriors and different things and stuff like that. And I asked Dr. Larry, have you ever seen a white Mandingo Warrior? And he was like, yeah, I actually have. We talked about the man. His name was Parham. You know what I'm saying? We talked about everything. And I asked you, I say, Dr. Larry, where the fuck was Parham from? And you said, man, Tim, I'm not real sure. I can't remember. But the crazy part was, Dr. Larry, we were doing that interview less than one mile away from where Parham lived before he caught his fucking case. How about that? We didn't know. The only ranking white Mandingo warrior ever is literally my brother's stepdad. And I didn't know it, man. Because me and my brother, we're half-brothers. We have the same dad and we have different moms, okay? He lived with his mom and I lived with my mom. Well, his mom married David Parham, the white Mandingo warrior. And his daughter's name was Sandy. My brother has a sister named Sandy that's not my sister. And she's Sandy Parham, man. So you actually came here and told me some shit I didn't know, man. And look, Larry, my own brother watched this video. And he said, fuck, Tim. He said, Dr. Larry's talking about my dad, man. And it confused me because we have the same biological father. And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, nah, that's my dad. And I was like, holy shit. And you know, listen, his children, his wife, they never knew how he did his time in there. Okay, they knew he was doing a life sentence and everything else. But they never knew that he was a stand-up man with respect, that people would take care of him. So you came and told his family that, and that was important. Okay, but what I never told you, Dr. Larry, is he was innocent. He was innocent. It was his brother that committed the crime. They actually had a lawyer together that sold out David to protect his brother. So we had another innocent man in there serving another life sentence, man. So... Of course, he was probably frustrated and shit like that. You know what I mean? But that's some real prison history that you came and told us, man. And I personally wanted to tell you thank you, man. That was like so fucking deep. And my brother said tell you thank you, too. So, like, wow. And, you know, uh, I had you ask Charlie about him. And Charlie just said, man, I never even got the pleasure to meet the man, but he was real. You know what I mean? So thank you, man. That's It's kind of touching me because that was deep. You know what I mean? And I'm the white crip they talk about. But goddamn, in my family, we had the white Mandingo. So it's kind of a coincidence, don't you think? Yeah, but Charlie, during the time where Charlie was already in a, in edge for another murder, so he never got to meet a lot of the members. But they all know who he Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. And that was part of... Uh, that was part of the sorriest part of thing ever. Man put together something massive and great and barely got to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Barely got to see it. That's it sucks. But listen, uh, I'm gonna go a little bit about you, Dr. Larry, because we're skipping around and I'm not doing a great job, and I'm sorry, man, because I'm just having a lot of fun talking to you again. But there are a couple other instances in your life where shit went wrong, and you are Probably the only man I know 
with two confirmed kills inside a prison. You know what I'm saying? You you got there for a murder. You actually had to take two more lives on the inside. And you told me all about them. Oh, you, you, you clearly told me that you were never involved in wanting to take people's lives, that you never were a killer, that you never was desiring to murder people or nothing like that. It was just that do or die environment back then. And you were a survivor. So we respect that. The first time that you ever had to actually do anything to somebody or something like that, where it was life or death, what happened? Life or death for real for you? What was it like? Well, me and a guy, uh, me and a Hispanic guy got in a fight out in the field and I beat him up. I won the fight. And uh, after it was over with, he said, I bet I killed your ass so the day is over with. Oh, my with. God. So he literally said that after he lose a fight, he's going to kill you before the day's over? He, man, he still was mad as hell. And uh, <laughs> hell with it. After minutes later, I got right on his ass. Right then on the spot? Yep. Boy didn't say shit. He just sit there and look. He didn't say one word. The old man loved violence. Violence don't excite him. He didn't pull his gun. He didn't say stop. He just looked. Don't say one word. Well, come on, Dr. Larry. Think about this. This man told you, I'm going to kill you later. While you're standing right there able to kill him. What the fuck was he thinking? He wasn't, was he? He was mad and he was he was just going irate. <laughs> When you get mad, you're thinking with emotion. And uh, back then, it was too damn dangerous telling somebody you was going to hurt him because it's open season on your ass. At Ramsey, we got a crazy-ass warden, Wildcat, and this man specifically tell you, take care of your damn business. That's his favorite word. Don't come to me crying. I didn't rob and kill people. You did all that shit. So when you hear, use a gangster. Use a gangster. You be a gangster on the inside. That's what he'll tell you. And he'll tell you, it's going to happen to you. Go do what you need to do. So that man that day, you just popped him with that motherfucking Aggie or what? That, that Aggie's deadly, man. I, I beat him to death with that Aggie. Now, the field major was Red Rider, Major Stevenson. Now, he rolled up and uh, he asked, oh, Lord, what happened? He said, well, they got in the fight. And that guy told him he was going to kill him. You know? And he tore his ass up. So they got out and they called uh, the water detective. He's dead. That evening when we got in, they called the ambulance out there to get him. That eve that night when we got in, I was in the cell studying my college homework, and a building trying to come up to my cell and say, Hey, the man Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little audio lag. Hold on a second, Dr. Bear. I'm going to catch up one second. Can you talk to me one second? Let me see how I hear Yeah, the major, uh, you know that boy died. He said, you filed all them damn bogus ass lawsuits telling all them damn lies. So me and the counselor, that's got a different title. That means he do administrative work. 
black threshold knew. Uh, his name was Isabel. We got old typewriter. He come up with a conclusion. He uh, typed up a report. Say me and this guy fight, and uh, and he doing the fight, and I received uh, 15 days solitary confinement. Lost one year of good time, and demoted in class, class three, and that was it. I went on back to sale. Got it and don't study. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. Life goes on. Huh? You write the fucking disciplinary. Up. And was that common back then, though? Was that everybody? I mean, shit, nothing happened. If somebody got killed in the field, where anybody getting prosecuted? Was the first time you seen somebody getting prosecuted? Well, this, this is when they were prosecuted. If you and a guy have a fight. Now, a homeboy, man, he got a murder case. This is what happened. He got beat up in the field. And he waited about two weeks later on a Sunday morning went in that guy's cell with, with, with a barbell and beat his head uh, off. Now, they, they gave him a murder case for that. Wildcat policy is you don't wait two weeks. You take care of then you ain't got murder. But if you yeah. wait and all that, they gave him a murder case. But back then, when you got a case inside a prison, they ran it concurrent with what you already had. So they gave him uh, six, They gave him 60 years but he had life, so he just had had a life sentence with 60 years running concurrent, so it really don't even hurt you at all. He just it made no it. fucking difference. Oh, you, you get ready to come off for parole, they're going to bring this murder case up, and that's going to hurt your parole. Right. Well, back then, we had you had the 15 solitary, but when you killed a man, if you had to go to 15 solitary, would you just come right back to population? Yeah, they didn't have no uh, ASC. With no ASC. Okay. And listen, this is what I bad want to know. You told me to answer a little bit, but I didn't ask questions. Dr. Larry, a black man, just killed a Mexican man out here in this fucking field. There ain't no tension bad all over this prison behind this shit back then, or what? No racial. You, whoever got you, you know, you get in a fight with another race, that just was tough shit. Oh, man. So listen, I, that's what I'm saying. That's just hard for me to understand. Like, that Mexican man, or any of them, during his day when he goes back and hangs out in the day room on the run, was he only kicking it with Mexican guys, or were y'all literally all mingling on the run and playing and chilling and stuff? Well, when uh, I first got, I was at Ramsey when they uh, integrated at Ramsey. They integrated in uh, 1978. Black and white inmates, they integrated work squads also. But in one hole, they did not integrate. They had two Hispanics in one hole. One hole did not have whites in. No white. When they integrated, listen, when they integrated it, what do you think back then the racial makeup was? Was it still more blacks and Mexicans than it was whites, or was it even back then? I mean, I just want to see what the makeup was, because we know, listen, Dr. Larry, we know they've created a lot of unfair laws to try to trap blacks and Mexicans in these motherfuckers, and that's true, and that's why it's like that, but was it like that back then, or were there a lot of white boys back then? Now, it was at East Ham was predominant white. You get to Ramsey, it's reversed. It's predominant Okay, so they had it like that set up then, huh? Right, okay. Oh, damn, man. All right, so 
Fields, hold on. I, I know they're going to have to go watch your channel too and find out later that you actually did get a job in the warden's office. You know what I'm saying? And you actually got, you got what you needed. How long did it take you, man, before you felt like I can make moves now? You know what I'm saying? Like, damn, man, I can do this. Like, and you started feeling like comfortable, I guess. How long did that take? I, I never got comfortable because this is what happened. They, one of the camp boys had got sick. I think he had a, Ulcers, real bad. They had to send him to the to the outside hospital, and I can always type real good. So that same camp boy who helped me type that report up, his name was Bell. He stopped me in the hallway and said, "Hey man, you want to work for Cat?" And at the time, we got final exams in the college, and I'm I work in the field, man. I'm having hell keeping up with my college work. I got to work in that hot sun all day. I don't go to college at night. And study at night. Also, the light side at 10 o'clock. You couldn't keep your light on sale past 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock is lights up. Bill and Tunnel would say, Lights out. And you got to turn your light out. If your light, cell light was still on, they whoop your ass. You Did you have cell. a switch? You had a switch in your cell where you could do it? Now, he asked me, Hey, you want to work in the camp room and help us type all these reports and stuff? So I said, Man, I, I got homeboys who up and down, they ain't gonna never work for the system. They say, fuck it, I work in the field, so I drop dead. I ain't gonna never do no shit like that. And I hang with these guys every day. So I shit, how they gonna look at me? That's what I'm thinking. If all I right. get this type of job, they ain't gonna want to socialize with me no more at all. They ain't gonna trust me at all. But they knew that I was in college. So I explained to them when I got back, I said, hey man, I'm gonna go work in the count room. I got to do all this damn finally. I got final exams coming. I'm behind. I don't want to flunk and got to take this course again the next semester. So uh, they didn't look down on me. Now, I didn't make no moves for guys because I only worked it there for five months. And uh, I wouldn't be part of the book. So I put my ass right back out in the field. Oh, uh, really? I didn't know that. I thought you got to stay in there. I didn't know you went back to the fields. <laughs> oh, man. You wasn't going to be a camp boy, which you was an inmate guard. You're going to have to help them beat people up. When they take people to solitary, you got to help jump on them. I can't do no shit like that. So yeah. I wouldn't, I didn't participate in none of the bullshit, so they ain't got no use for me. Oh, man. Well, respect for that, man, because it was bullshit. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, man, that first day back in the fields, was it rough? Were you like, fuck, this is hard again? You know what I mean? I still got old Lord, and uh, I had a position out in the field that he gave to me. I was a striker, so he immediately put me right back on striker. Okay, now listen. Do that. Explain to these people how to how to lead Rose Striker. Tell them how the field works. How does that shit work? You got some guy in front, guy in the back. How's, how's it work? Texas Fields. They had, and they had a guy called Tail Rope. And they have a guy called a striker. He's the guy who helped guys up when they behind. And they have a file boy. He's the one sharpening the work tool. And uh, Striker, you just walk behind everybody. You really ain't got to work hard. Just walk that's, behind and watch him? Yeah, that's a tread spot. All the guys want that spot. He gave it to me. Guys, old guys were mad because I hadn't been locked up but a minute. You and got the spot. 
Strikers, they've been locked up a long time. Oh, Lord. Be damned. He, he selected me to strike his first, my first time I met him. He picked a new Negro. He picked a new tail rope. And he was just standing there, and he was sitting on his horse looking. He said, that little skinny yellow looking nigga, you my striker. Oh, hey. hey, you know what, Dr. Zay? Hold on, let's go back to something. Because guess what? Man, we have that picture. You, We have a photo. This goddamn photo fucking pisses me off so fucking bad every time I post it because your ass looks Mexican in that motherfucker, and they always go. Where's always, Dr. Larry? All I see is Mexicans in this bitch. I always had good hair. I know. So, Hispanic, always thought I was Hispanic. Yeah, yeah. And as you listen, as as people get older, their complexion changes and shit like that. But you're still light skinned. Listen, you you are you don't have the best lighting, but when you come in here, I clearly see, man, that's Dr. Larry. When you show me that picture. Within half a second, I said, man, look at Larry right there. Because I can see your face. I see your smile. It's definitely you. But listen, in that photo that you have, Dr. Larry, holy fuck, how did you get them to take that photo, man? That's the weirdest photo in the world. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me describe what this photo is. Dr. Larry gave me, blessed me with a photo from Texas fucking prisons that I swear to God, nobody else in this world can ever fucking pull off. Nobody could have had no juice for that. And you got them back there smiling for you and gave you the picture. How the hell did that happen? Well, back then, they allowed you to take pictures. You could take group pictures because there was no games. But I'm saying, how did you get this? How did you get Popeye and Charles standing next to each other smile? Were they cool with each other back then? Like, there was no problems? Because they were the no. leaders. They they knew each other and was okay? All of us was cool with each other. All of us had worked in the field together. You know, we everybody was cool. We they drink wine together, smoke cigarettes. So, together. so motherfucking Popeye from TS and Charlie would drink wine and smoke cigarettes too. Yeah. Oh man, badass dog. That we don't know this. Okay, we don't know this, man. We don't know that Popeye and Charlie smoked and chilled and took pictures with Dr. Larry, man. Because the way the shit is supposed to work, Popeye and Charlie are supposed to kill each other every time they see each other. But instead, they were. Two bosses, right? Wow. You would throw people off on that picture. I was 26 years old then. Right, I know. How old do you know. think Popeye then was? How old is Charlie? Is Charlie older than you? No, I'm older than he is. So he was younger than you in that bitch, huh? I'm saying Holy shit. How long had he been in there, Larry? He did like 35 years, didn't he? Uh, Charlie did 30, 36. Did he start before you? No, nah, he came after I was already there. Oh, hell. So you seen him get there, huh? I'll be damned. And he's from Dallas originally, right? No, he originally Paris, Texas. Okay, I never knew that. Yeah, I never, never, ever knew. Shout out to him, man. So that's cool. We won't, we won't talk too much about that. But uh, another guy you said you knew, Marty from AC. You said you knew Marty, right? Yeah, his name Marty Stone. Yeah, he was one of the originators. He was one of the first founders ever. And everybody, every goddamn AC knows this man. But how was Marty Song treating you like, because you're a black man, and he was there in circle, one of the founders. What was he like? It, me and him cool as hell. We ride all the damn time. Talk. Smoke together. I, matter of fact, I had been too long, started smoking cigarettes. I didn't start smoking cigarettes. I was 36 years old. 
I didn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't drink wine. I ain't never smoked blunt in my life. I didn't smoke it. Pull it up. I ain't never smoked it. Wow. Hey, man. Don't start now. You're too old to start now. <laughs> but listen, that's the shit. That's the real history that we need to talk about because the key, the kids that are members of these organizations don't even understand that their leaders co-mingled and lived places together back then. You know what I mean? And, uh, fuck. The... The, that's, how the, they, that's how they kept the violence down between the different gangs. We all knew each other before the game started. Right, 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 right. You can go to one of the leaders and y'all can work it out. It wouldn't be no killing. All right, let me ask you this. How come Dr. Larry ain't one of the leaders of the Mandingo Warriors? Because you could have yeah. been. Well, when it first started, uh, they, they called me. I was at the retrieve unit. And uh, they called me and asked me about joining. And me, myself, I always stood on your own, my own two feet. I ain't no shit about no game. Some of these guys don't neither. Because Texas didn't have it. But they just learned it on the fly. And, uh, and me, myself, I'm going to take a wait-and-see attitude. I'm going to see how all this shit work out. And uh, they recruited one guy who I knew used to be an ex inmate guard he's supposed to be reformed now he's a militant and i said oh hell no oh so shit this man got this sorry ass fucking dude here ain't no way i trust him right so, right i never joined him at all now i went to ad said they they had me living in ad said with mandingo war there was a lot of them back there was there a lot yeah. of them back there but they had locked all the games up in 84 they had a prison lockdown they rounded up all game members that all took, started administrative segregation so texas I need, didn't have no ASC. i need to talk to you about that dr Lee, because that's that's the biggest part of texas history ever right there 84 when everything changed and you've seen it okay and, and we're gonna skip around a little because you got your own channel man and y'all gotta go subscribe to dr larry's channel 42 straight years in hit the fucking bell all this stuff but, oh, uh, I mean, I, I have just so many questions I want to ask, man. Listen, back then, who who do you think was the number one inmate in the system? Was it was it Sonny, Sonny Evans or somebody? Was there a number one head, most scariest guy they used to talk about? Or was it Butch Hainsworth or somebody? Or who was it? Each person had their own. Had Each a bad dude. Had their own tough guy. You get man. Ramsey was ran by, and the black guy who ran the whole prison was Big Bear. He's he black out there. Yeah, he got way more power than Butch Ainsworth got. Way more power. He really? ran the prison war. He's the enemy. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, hey, you sent me a picture of one of your homies that was a building tender. He's out now, and he's like seven foot tall or something. Where was that big old guy at? You remember who I'm talking about? He was on a walker. And he's huge, man. He's like the biggest black man I ever seen in my life, man. You know what I'm he, talking about? He he was a turnkey at East Ham. So he was a turnkey at East Ham too? Holy shit. See that's what I'm saying. When we're describing these guys, Larry, I need you to start talking about them like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Because that's how the fuck these dudes are, man. That guy you sent me a picture of he was like the black Andre the Giant, man, for real. And that's amazing. 
East Ham had a guy who worked for the ward. Everywhere the ward, oh, he take this guy. Now, this guy weighed about 500 fucking pounds. Shit. Was, was that Willie Potts? Was that guy named Willie? Willie C. Potts. That's his name. I was reading. Yeah. Listen, man, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just told you his name. You know how I knew? Because I was reading about Butch and some other shit, and you, you just said his name. You said his actual first name. Willie Potts is fucking notorious, man. He was bad notorious, and you can Google his name and shit. Did you ever deal with him in person? Yeah, I dealt with him. He really what was he like? He was a good dude compared to Pilton. He the one, if they beating you down in the hallway with them iron pipes, he the only one that can get them off of besides he'll the one. He'll say, yeah, stop, he, that's enough. Yeah, he say, that's enough, and they'll leave you alone. Well, he's the only person can do that. <laughs> 500 pounds. What Willie Potts look like, man? Because he's a legend, too. Was he fat or swole or what? He looked like a big black man. This dude is huge. He about, seven, he about seven feet tall. Oh, goddamn. I didn't know that. <laughs> man. Ain't no ain't no beating him up in a fist fight, huh? No, when he don't, he don't assault guys. No. He, he worked personally for the ward. He ain't got to do no. He don't do no shit like that. Cause he, he so big, if he tell you something, you was damn near gonna do it. He said, "Hey right, man, right. y'all ass down," and he don't curse neither. He said, "Man, y'all sit down in the day room. You gonna sit down? You look right. at this big fat ass dude. You know you don't stand a chance as a man in the moon. Even when you still might not lose it. You might lose if you don't hear the bylaws." Because once he get his hands on you, it's a wrap. You ain't getting to lose. How big was his hands, Dr. Larry? How big was his hands? I've seen him pick guys up, weigh 200 pounds. They were fighting, and he was told them to break up. They won't. He picked both of them up just like they are ragged on. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, he big old dude. Huh? Damn. Okay, then let's change this. Because when we got here, was Butch Ainsworth the smallest building tender ever? Uh, he he was small at East Ham. Now, when I got to Ramsey, they, I had a turn. We had a turnkey out of Dallas. Shit, how shorty. Oh, you like, tell me about it. He about five feet, but he built like Hercules. Damn, he could fight real good. You said too, huh? That's right. Damn, you ever seen shit how shorty just knock out some big ass dudes? I bet you have. I've seen him in the day room stand up on top of the table. He's so short and tall, the guy up and then knock him out. Are you serious? Wow. Listen, shout out to my brother, Little Vic, man, because Little Vic is probably five foot the same way. He'll call out any big old man. When we was young, Vic started a ride in high school, Mr. Vic. He come running after the thing, jumped on a damn table, come flying over and punched the guy that was big. And he, he literally had to jump and do the same thing. So shout out. That's, that's badass. Shit house, shorty. You're turning guys into, well, see, that's the thing, Dr. Larry. You're turning men into legends. And it's for real, and they're real guys. There's somebody that I wanted to ask you about bad, man. And you don't even have to say nothing. Red Devil, man, from Waco. Who the hell is Red Devil from Waco, man? What do he do, man? Uh, he here in Dallas. He got five murder cases in prison. Five guys, huh? That's the most I've ever heard of. His Red Devil got the most, man. I think he's got the most in Texas. He got the most. He's he over here in Dallas. He's in South Dallas. Shout out, listen, shout out Red Devil then, because you know what? 
he was the motherfucker that people know. Five guys fucked with him one time, and he killed all five of them, and that's the most respectful shit ever. I mean, I don't respect murder or killing, but handling your goddamn business, I do to the fullest. You understand? And that's a man you'll never want to get mad at you, you know? So, listen, those five the devil did, did he ever get prosecuted, or they were before them days? Uh, he got prosecuted on one. The other four was a free ride. Free ride. What happened to that one? You got prosecuted on one, too. We haven't talked about it. We'll talk about that in a second. What happened to the devil? Did he beat it or he got guilty? He got 25 years concurrent with life. Didn't even fucking matter then, right? Okay, I'm going to go into something here. And uh, you haven't even talked about this on your channel, Dr. Larry. You, you, you've got, you're exactly like me. You've got so many fucking stories that you haven't even told about yet. You literally have a million of them. I don't think either one of us will ever run out of content. You know what I'm saying? Because we, we just can't, you know. But uh, what else did I want to ask you? Okay, you told me one time that you sold a guy a gallon of wine and the motherfucker dropped his gallon of wine and came back and wanted another one. What the fuck? What happened? Tell him what happened. Well, he, he, he was drunk as hell. He done drink some of the shit. And I already had smoked a lot of weed because they, uh, they had got a pound of weed in. They had spread it out on newspapers and said, anybody can get roll all the joints you want. Just smoke each joint you roll. Don't take none with you. So uh, wow. he was all killed and he came to me and bought the wine. He wasn't home, bro. I had got some Everclear. And oh. I mean, I mixed it with orange drink, and they thought I was brewing wine. I had Everclear. You had the real bottle in there, huh? I had the real bottle, the 100, 190 proof. Yeah. He, he came back and wanted to be replaced. I replaced it. It was the manner that he came to me trying to talk shit, demanded. He came to me with a fucked up attitude. I got a fucked up attitude. So, uh, one word led to another one, and uh, I was in the shower one night. And he came in there with a motherfucking shank, talking about killing me and pulling a knife on me and all this bullshit. In the shower? Yeah, I was in the shower buck naked. I ain't got nothing but a soap dish, shower shoes on in, in, a, in a shower rag. That's all I got. By yourself? It was a little old young black prison guard. He was standing at the door. He seen and heard the whole damn thing. So. After he come out the shower, I come out the shower, he gave, man, uh, I'll kill your black ass. I ain't scared of you. I just stabbed a nigga over on there. And I'm standing there buck naked. This man got a motherfucking sword. But he just talking. So I tried to get close as I can to him. With that long ass knife, I would have I been, been able to grab him if he tried to use it. But he just, and we lived in the same dorm together. Eight tank at at the retrieve unit. And I was up for my first parole. That happened on a Wednesday, Wednesday night. That Friday morning, they called me and gave me my first set off. 1980. Oh, set off. Uh, Damn. So this motherfucking guy, hold on. He comes in the fucking shower, pulls out a goddamn sword while you're waiting on your parole answer. So you're literally trying to go fucking home, want to get freed, and here's a man saying, I'm fixing to fucking kill you. 
What the fuck, man? This is the shit, y'all, why we tell y'all stay the fuck out of prison, why you don't want to go. The man's trying to go the fuck home, did good business, and here's some drunk bomb that dropped his shit pulling a knife on you, man. That's unbelievable. So that happened Wednesday. This is my question. You killed him Friday. That happened Wednesday. What the fuck was Thursday like? Just making plans. You was getting I, ready. I already know I was getting. It was a guarantee. Yeah. Did you have your shit packed up? I already had my property packed. I was ready. So that's what I'm saying. So when a man, when a man tells you that he had his property packed, he means he's fixing to do that shit no matter what, and there's no stopping that. You understand? And in the prison, if you man, if everybody watches you pack your fucking property up, fixing to do something, and then don't do it, you look weak. You know what I'm saying? So fuck that shit. So listen, Friday, you got your fucking answer, what, probably around noon or something? When'd you get the answer? They called me that morning. That morning? First set off. All right, here's my real true question. If they would have said, hey, Larry, you made parole. Would you still kill that man? No, I let it slide. Yeah, wouldn't have even had a motherfucking problem. He'd have had no problem with that shit. Give him another wine and go the fuck home. But they said no. And now here he is, just pulled a knife on you, man. And it's time to go. So, like, literally, what happened? I mean, you went to work that day? What Friday? What happened? How'd it go Friday? Uh, I was just... Uh... Talking to a lot of guys I know, and I said, "Man, so I told my homeboys. I had told them, I said, man, I'm gonna get this fucker tonight. He said, man, uh, do whatever you gotta do, man. I wish you wouldn't do it, but you, you understand. So your friend even asked you. He even said he wished you wouldn't do it because he knew what was happening gonna come later, huh, man? It was that time. So <laughs> goddamn." Let- too dangerous back then. It was they were stabbing like it's going out of crazy. And it got well, that's what I, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I don't mean to interrupt you. Though, but listen, when the building tenders left in '84, okay, you did tell me that's when there was like a power vacuum and everything started going crazy. And later, Doctor Larry, I actually started doing a little bit more reading and everything about that. Okay, the year that you got that murder case. There were 25 or 26 murders that year or something. How many were there? Do you remember? It was uh, 26 that year. Mine was a 26 case. December the 4th. That was a 26. So you were number 26 that year. Then the year after that, there was another 20, 30, something like that. Again, it kept happening. How many? 28. Man, so it went from 26 to 28. And that's when the gangs were starting and everything else. Okay, so listen, both 83 and 82, while we still had turnkeys, how many people were getting killed? Well, they were gradually phasing them out at certain prisons. Like I'm saying, like when turnkeys were there, they weren't, muffled weren't killing each other, right? When they left, it started being 25 murders and shit like that. That's correct. Yeah, so that's why I do understand why when I asked you once what you liked better, you said you liked the turnkeys better because you could defend yourself 
people weren't trying to kill you and it was a little bit more fair back then, you know, a little bit more fair ran. So that's cool. Larry, I'm going to get away from your story a little bit, man, because I love you and I don't want to ever take nothing from your shit. And I want everybody to go subscribe to you. So I'm just going to ask you some real prison questions now. Okay. Just about some weird stuff you've seen. And then we'll just close it out, man, because we've been going a long time and all this is going to be linked to you, man. Dr. Larry, can you tell me, a funny stories maybe sometime like some shit happened where you just actually sat back and you cracked the fuck up and had nothing to do with it maybe some guys failed at their businesses hold on i'm almost done failed or something i don't know just anything like like guys that couldn't make it i'm just giving something that we had never heard before man man i've seen i've seen so many guys fail but every guy who's successful it'd be 25 oh man is it that bad that bad. It really is, huh? Oh, okay. When did this is gonna be? I'm gonna give you about two more minutes. My little daughter's going crazy. I sell her rose, man. I gotta go cash this check, and she's going for. Man, I wish you could be here, Doctor Larry. Man, she's going to beat Baby Miss Texas tomorrow, man, and I think she's gonna win. I really do. But oh, uh, let me see. This is my main question that I wanted to ask you, and I told everybody I was asking. And I'm gonna close it like this, and be honest with me, man. Well, I, I, you did 42 years. I know you moved around a lot, okay? In your last 10 years, Dr. Larry, uh, I know you're over there on death row and shit like that. As a man is 30 years in prison, he's already done all this. He's got his name. What the fuck is it like to show up at a new prison? What's that feel like and how does it work, man? When you catch chain and you're on a new place, do you go in and say, hey, I'm fucking Larry. I just did 37 fucking years and they didn't like you. Or how does it work, man? If you've been around in prison a long time, you're going to know about each prison. And you're going to know somebody there. They're going to know you. The best way to get in a prison to let them talk about you, you don't talk about yourself. You go ahead and let them say it, right? There's going to be somebody there know you from another prison. Well, your Their reputation is going to follow you. Nothing. Right, right, right. Well, so that's what it is. So, Every time you switch somewhere else, you still good because you're good in the last place then. That's why it is, right? Last question I'm going to ask, and then I'm going to close it. What happens if somebody comes into a Texas prison that's bad as fuck at that other one and tries to lie his way out of it? Is there ways to do that or not with these cell phones and shit? You're fucked. If, if you're not in a game where you really won't have a problem, if you're in a game, they're the one going to do the checkup on you. Regular guys really ain't giving a shit about you, so you just blend in. Yeah. Just blending in. Oh, yeah, that's that's a thing. All right, well, listen, Dr. Larry, man, we'll probably do this again if you want to, and I will always come on your channel if you want to. Man, I want to say I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, this channel success that I'm having is directly related to you. I know it, man. I, damn, I feel so honored to have you back on right here. I wish Ella could see it. She's being bad right now, but I'd love to bring her on camera right now, man. But I need everything. Before we go, that's why I sent you my paperwork. You can see I was convicted in 75. I didn't get sent to 76. They took me. They came on a bench warrant from Ramsey and got me and brought me back to Dallas and found a Well, listen, if anybody wants to talk about that, I'm sorry. Listen, hold on. Fuck that shit. Yes, I've seen all motherfucking Larry's paperwork. I've seen the sentencing. I've seen everything. All of that shit. Do we got to publish that shit on the internet for every fucking weirdo and fucking tip? Fuck no. If y'all don't believe us, fuck you. That's all I can say. Because I've seen it. 
He sent it to everybody else. We know the fucking truth. We know we know every bit of the case. Do we divulge information to other people? Fuck no. All these weird ass trolls out here, all y'all can officially suck our dick. We'll say that right there. We don't give a fuck because we're out here trying to do something, educate people, and y'all are steady trying to crawl on our backs, and we don't give a fuck. Fuck them, Dr. Larry. Just keep doing you. And I want to congratulate you, man, for having a fucking badass fucking channel. Like, seriously, this shit, Dr. Larry, is some people, it looks very easy. Oh, he just turns the camera on and talks. But it's not, man. And you got to understand, people are critiquing everything we say, judging us and stuff like that. And, dude, you just popped up 42 years, 42 years out of prison, working all this motherfucking technology better than a fucking kid, got your channel going, you're growing as hell, starting to make some money, help me with mine. This is amazing. Like, like you're going to be, it's blowing, man, and you deserve it. That's all I can say. If there's anybody else that deserves it, you earn this shit, man. And you're not, you never were, doctor, I'm going to say this, you never were that guy out there robbing, raping, breaking into people's fucking houses. Never, man. It just an incident happened and you went to prison. You had to deal with that shit. You did what came along. And honest to God, if I met you in a restaurant, I shook your hand and we talked, I would have no idea that you just spent your entire life in prison. And that's the best compliment that I could ever give you. You know what I'm saying? You're you're not burned up. How the hell you're not institutionalized, weird. I don't know, man. It's, it's great. It's awesome. And we love you. And <clears throat> we're just proud to have you, man. And everybody better go subscribe to 42 straight years in, man. You got anything you want to say before we go? It's not a wrap, man. I got to take my old lady to the gym. And after yeah. that, I'm going to head over to Cliff and kick it with the fellas for a little while. Man, you tell everybody on the bench that Texas Prison Story said, what's up, Mr. Larry? I'm going to link everything to you, and I love you, man. Thank you so much. I got to run to the bank, too, and I got to go buy me some shit for this beauty pageant tomorrow. Salute, man. Y'all go subscribe. Hit the fucking bell. If y'all don't even go subscribe to his channel, don't even come back watching mine. How about that? Because that's how close we are, man. I want this man to blow like I am. And he's getting there. He just thought... Actually, Larry, you just took too long to start. You'd be right here where I was. You know, you do. You actually were watching me for a little bit. Hey, I think you should have started at about the same time. But it's all good, man. We're here. We- I had started, and my busybody old lady walked in front of the camera with no clothes on. I forgot. They knocked the channel off. About 10 minutes, YouTube didn't get notice. Took the channel down. Damn. <laughs> Well, baby girl, don't do that no more because Mr. Larry finna be balling on this shit. Yeah, no, listen. Shout out to uh, Lockdown 23 and 1. He put you on there, man. Uh, you're always welcome to come on this channel, but you got your fire-ass shit yourself. Dr. Larry, 42 straight years in, man. We love you, man. We'll talk to you later, okay? I'm going to go cash the check and get yeah. my dad on, man. All right, talk to you later, Larry. Love you, man.